Recently, uh, on someone responded to the program, uh, commented on a program. It was a message that I did entitled, What Must I Do? And I'd taken it from the scripture in Peter, where they, in the book of Acts, where they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And I talked about the importance of evangelism is bringing people to a point where they ask that question, that if you're dealing with people concerning any type of problem, what you're trying to do is to, uh, is to get them to come to the point where they ask the question, what must I do about the situation that I'm in, about my trial, about, you know, whatever it may be. What do I need to do concerning this? What must I do? So this guy <laughs> responded, you got to hear this. This is something else. He says, what must I do? All right, here it is. Become poor and homeless, leave your house, empty your bank account, and then only then are you eligible to be called a disciple or a Christian. Let me repeat that. What must I do? Become poor and homeless, leave your home, empty your bank account, and then only are you eligible to be called a disciple or a Christian. Basically, the way I took it is just quit and give up. You know, a lot of people could be called a Christian, just, just quit and give up. Now, when I was a teenager, you know, we used to ride around to different subdivisions and we would look at nice homes and I would think, you know, that, look at that yard, look at that nice home. And it was something inspiring for me. I wanted to work towards something like that. And at least that's how I looked at it. That's how I viewed it. Um, but the revelation for me as I read this response was this that for the beggar on the street, it was a moral issue. In other words, this is, this is I mean, this guy quoted scriptures, and we're going to go through these scriptures that he quoted. It's a, and I never made that connection that, you know, just yesterday we were in Roanoke, and we saw at least three beggars in the pouring down rain with their little sign, you know, homeless or whatever. But I never made the connection that this, in, maybe not all of them, but in their mind, this was a moral issue that I have left all responsibility. And now I mean, I've left my home, my money, my everything. And it's, an issue, it's a moral issue for some people. It's fascinating to see that because, you know, people can have the queerest, crazed concepts in their minds. And people, in order to justify it, will make it a moral issue. Hitler establishing a superior race of people. In his mind, it was a moral issue of what he was doing. So don't ever miss that point, that the underlying issue, no matter how crazy a person may be, that it can be a moral issue under, under, under it all. It's really a perverted type of, of righteousness, I'd have to admit. Now, what is the Christian life supposed to be about? It was supposed to be about making life work. You wouldn't go up to a beggar on the street and say, tell me how to find and hold down a good job. He couldn't help you in that area. Tell me how to find a wife. Well, chances are no woman will have him. Uh, so he can't tell you how to find a good wife. Uh, tell me how to rear your children. Chances are he's abandoned those responsibilities. Uh, how, tell me how to get along with my family. Chances are he wouldn't be able to help you in that area. You know, we are to, a lot, what a lot of people overlook is that we are to lead by our example. People are to look at us and say, well, that, I, I want to follow that example. And to be honest with you, when I see beggars on the street, there's nothing to be desired there. 
I don't want to be like them at all. And yet, this guy created it a moral issue for him. So I want to look at some of the scriptures that he quoted here. And I think this is worth mentioning, and I'll get into the more important subject a little bit later on. But here's one scripture that he quoted uh, justifying why I needed to do this. Empty my bank account, leave my home, leave, leave all responsibility, whatever. It says, so likewise, whosoever be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot disciple. So, okay, here we have. I've got justification here to sell out, <laughs> get my sign, <laughs> become a poor homeless beggar. <laughs> uh, but this is not talking about, you know, forsake your children, family, wife, job, home, empty your bank account. No, it, it's not talking about it. We have to read more of the content of the scripture. It's not talking about abandoning all responsibility. You know, there is an idea from a lot of people that abandoning all responsibility makes you more spiritual. You see that in some of the Eastern religions, you know, where you, you sit cross-legged and sort of hum, you know, and you don't hold down any responsibility, and that somehow makes you spiritual to abandon all responsibility. That, that's, a, that's a thread that's sort of in our society. But when I take, take a look at the scripture, you can't just take a scripture out of context and say, okay, this is what you do. Sell out, empty your bank account, and then you're a disciple. Let's, let's read, let's go here and read what comes up to this point. He says, For which of you intending to build a tower sits down not first and counts the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he has laid the foundation is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king sits down not first and consults whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that comes against him with 20,000. Or else while he is, the other is yet a great way off, he sends ambassadors and desires conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. That's the scripture that this guy used to try to prove his point. But what is this talking about? Is it talking about what are we to forsake with this passage? Okay, here it is. Forsake everything that gets in the way of you not being able to finish what you started. Okay? Now, that's a valuable point to remember. Because you probably got a lot of things you hadn't finished, have you? you, know, you I do. You know, I told the story about looking at a piece of trim in my home that hadn't been finished for 20 years. You know. Crown molding. And one day I just said, why haven't I finished that? Okay. Forsake anything, everything that gets in the way of you not being able to finish what you started. And, you know, you really ought to think about it before you start a new project. Before you start anything. Count the cost. Can you finish it? I can't tell you how many things I've probably started, started and didn't do that. Just, it was an opportunity and I took off running. Didn't count the cost. And it's not good. So we're not talking about forsaking children, family, wife, job, home, emptying your bank account. No, that's not what it's talking about at all. If we really consider this, what the Bible says, says, but if any man provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he is denied the faith. And it's worse than an infidel. 
So no, this is not talking about forsaking. You know, you're worse than an unbeliever if you if you if you forsake those of your own household. Whatever. As far as your wife, husband loves your wife. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And far as working, or even where we were with you, this we commanded you that if any man will not work, neither should he eat. So, it's like that comedian. You remember that comedian? Who was that comedian that said uh, James Gregory? Yeah, he said he said these guys don't want to work. He said I offered one an onion to paint my home, and he wouldn't even take it. Uh, uh, notice this verse. I, I like that. Pray. No, no, wait a minute. Let's let's go to Psalms eleven and verse one twelve and verse three. It says, "Wealth and riches shall be in his house." Uh oh, he has a house. And righteousness endures forever. And and his righteousness endure forever. Now, who's this talking about? Well, let's go up to the top. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generations of the upright shall be blessed. And then it goes into what this man is going to be like. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. So that's, that's, uh, that's good to know. So we're not talking about, you know, forsaking your home or your money or anything like that. In fact, in Genesis, just made this connection recently. In Genesis, God told Adam to dress and keep it, the garden. Think about that. Everything you own, you are to dress and keep. Keep it. What are you going to dress and keep if you don't have anything to dress and keep? You know, I mean, okay, you got to have something to dress and keep it. All right. <laughs> What's that? At least yourself. Yeah, at least uh, yourself. Yeah, you start with yourself. I might add. Yeah, that's a good point. You ever met people who just didn't care about themselves? I mean, they just let themselves go. I mean, anything. Uh, and a lot of people that you see beggars on the street do that. They just let themselves go. You know? Okay. Here's another verse that he used: Sell that you have and give alms. Provide provide yourself bags which wax not old, and treasures in heaven. That faileth not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupts. Sell that you have. Sell everything that you have. Get rid of it all. Only then can you be in a disciple. Again, this scripture is taken out of context. Someone once said, where in the Bible did, did Jesus did not mean to take something literally? Well, Cut off your right hand if it offends you. He didn't really mean to literally do that, to go around cutting off hands. And I've heard of people who have, who have done that. Um, so you don't, you know, you got to think and you got to read stuff in context here. Well, let's read this in context here about sell all that you have. All right, Luke 12 and verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this I will do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will bestow all my fruits and my, my goods. Uh, and I will say to myself, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. For God said unto him, you fool, this night your soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which you have provided? So is he that it layeth not up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Question. What does it take to be rich toward God? That included, yeah. 
But, you know, if I'm to be rich toward God, I, I, need, I need something to, I need some wealth, do I not? I mean, I need something, okay, if I'm going to be rich toward God, I need something to, to give to God. Um, now, I know, okay, the widow's might, and that's an example of a very poor person who gave. But what I'm talking about is basic economical principles. Rich toward God takes something to have, that you have to give. It takes some wealth. Uh, can wealth be a problem? Absolutely. The love of money can be the root of, you know, a root of evil. Building, as we read in this story, you know, building an empire, building, you know, tearing down your perfectly good barns and rebuilding new ones. You know, yeah, it can be a problem. Wealth, money can be a problem. But, uh, Anyway, let's continue on with this story. Let's continue on with this story. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for your body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens that they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouses nor barns, and God feeds them. How much more are you better than the fowls? And which of you, taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If you then being, be not able to do that which is least, why I take you thought for the rest? All right. Um, consider the lilies, how they grow, they toll not, they spin not. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If, you, if then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And seek not ye what you shall eat, nor what you shall drink, neither be you doubtful-minded. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. For your Father knows what you have need of, need of all these things. But rather seek you first the kingdom of God, and all these shall be added. I didn't, I didn't go to the next one, did I? Okay, yeah, all right. All these things shall be added unto you. Now, if I'm seeking the kingdom of God first... I'm not going to be what? I'm not going to be a beggar on the street begging for food. I'm not going to be running around saying I don't have clothes enough to stay warm. Of course not. Notice this uh, passage here. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So what do I conclude when I see a beggar? <laughs> well, I have to conclude certain things that the Bible lines up here. Now notice, we're continuing the story here. Then Peter said to him, Lord, speak thou this parable, the one we just went through, unto us or even to all. And, he, and the Lord said, Who then is a faithful and wise steward, which his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them portion of his meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Of a truth, I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over, over all that he has. You know, we're talking about responsibility. The disciple here, the disciples, had forsaken all. Forsaken their way of life. Fishermen, that is, many of them fishermen, they had forsaken their way of life. Not to become a street beggar, but to, they, they were given incredible responsibilities. The disciples were. Um, notice this. No, notice what their responsibility on the earth was. Go ye therefore and make disciples 
of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, the building of the church. That's his responsibility. And then we jump to the future. Notice the future responsibility. Jesus said to them, Verily I say unto you, that he which followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the tribes of Israel. This is an incredible responsibility. Now, in this life, in the future life to come. Responsibility. And this passage here says, And the Lord said, Who then is a faithful and wise, and I'm using the English Standard Version here, manager. Notice that. A manager who his master will set over his household to give them the portion of food at the proper time. All right. Manage. What are we to manage? We are to manage several things. Number one, our time here on earth because it's running out. We are to manage our abilities. Think about that. Your ability. You have a lot of abilities. We are to manage our responsibilities that we have. The one God is going to grant responsibility in the kingdom are the ones who have been responsible here on earth. It's just, you know, basically the way, the way it is here. Now, this is the third passage that he used. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but this is, you know, this verse has been used to try to justify socialism. Notice. And all things that believing they were together had all things in common and sold their possessions of, and goods and parted them to all men as even as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. You know, the thing about this is this was voluntary. This was not forced upon these people. They volunteered to do this. So that makes the difference. You could do this today if you wanted to. Um, but it was not forced upon these people. Um, recently, I was reading something about what was called the new socialism or the democratic socialism. And the definition is this. In a modern wealthy nation, no one person should be too poor to live. Let me repeat that. The new socialism or the democratic socialism. Definition, in a modern wealthy nation, no one person should be too poor to live. Now, if when, you, when I hear that statement, again, it's the morality. You know, this is a moral issue. No one should be too poor to live. Just like the guy that quoted me the, the scriptures. You know, forsake all that. It was a moral issue. Well, this too can be a moral issue. The concept goes like this. Equality among all people. If we can just establish equality among all, we would be better as a nation. No more rich people, no more poor people. Everybody is equal. That's how the concept goes. On the surface, it sounds good. But the concept overlooks a major biblical principle. And that is, because we are free to choose, not all people use their gifts and talents equally. This is what we've got to wrap our minds around. Declaration of, of uh, Independence says this, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator and certain, with certain inalienable rights, that among these are the 
pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All men are created equal, yes, but not all men use their gifts and talents equally. And because all men don't use their gifts and talents equally, you have rich people, you have poor people. You have highly successful people, you have failures. You have people who accept personal responsibility for their actions, and you have people who will not accept any responsibility for their actions. This is the way it is. Not all people use their gifts and talents equally. The new socialism. In a modern, wealthy nation, no one person should be too poor to live. To live. Do you know that there are some people you cannot help? There are some people, you, and you need to identify the ones you can help and the ones you cannot help. If you try to help people who cannot be helped, you can get yourself killed. You really can. I'll give you an example of that. And just, just, in other words, it's, it's possible. I thought about what would happen if I walked up with one of these guys and just started peeling off $100 bills and said, here, go get yourself cleaned up. Go get a productive job. Go get, go, you know, go, uh, go get, find a woman or something. Get a home. You know, get married. Just started peeling off $100 bills. And he'd probably look at me and say, I don't want your money. Get out of here. Well, he might take some money for a bottle of liquor, but he wouldn't, you know, I don't want these responsibilities that you just named to me. Getting a job, holding down this, doing this, this, that, that, that. I don't want that. There are some people that you have to use this principle to. <laughs> Do not give that which is holy into the dogs. There are some people you have to realize that. You don't give that person something because they can't handle it. I heard of a story. There was a guy at our local church. No, no, it was a church in Pinhook who... They had saved some money for this guy. He was a sort of a street person. The church had set aside some money for him. He wanted the money. He came to the minister's house, the woman, woman minister. He had heard, he had been to church. He had heard that they saved, set some money aside for this guy, for this, for this man. He wanted his money. She refused to give it to him. She was bludgeoned to death in her home. There's some people you cannot help. You have to identify what is the mindset of this person that I am trying to help. And you need the wisdom to know the difference between the two, lest you get yourself into deep trouble. Now, if you approach this new socialism with the idea that no one person should be too poor to live, and you set out to help people who really do not want to be helped, you can get yourself in trouble by doing that. There are people that can be helped. There are people who cannot be helped. Even though all people are created equal, you cannot make them use their gifts and talents. This is what the new socialism overlooks. All men are created equal, but not all use their talents equally. All right, here, I wanted to get to this verse. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to another according to his ability. And he went abroad at once. God gives us opportunities according to our abilities. God does not place us, place on us more than our abilities can handle. And he who received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not straw, scatter, excuse me. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the earth. Lo, you have what is yours. And his Lord answered and said to him, You evil and slothful servant, you knew that I reaped where I did not sow and gathered where I did not scatter. 
you should at least put my money to the exchangers, and, and at my coming, I would have received my own with interest. So you know the story. I'm sort of skipping through that. One was given ten talents, one, I think, five talents. They multiplied theirs, but the other one, you know, went and hit it in the ground. And he says, I was afraid. Some pe I found that fear of failure can be something we're afraid of, but also you can be fearful of success, too. You, you know, you really can't. What if this thing works? So you can have fear of failure, but you can also have fear if it takes off can be also as deeply uh, fearful if, it's, if you succeed. This person went and hid his talent in the earth, basically saying, I will not accept any personal responsibility for the things that you have given me. And he's referred to as an evil and slothful servant. Now, when we meet God, God is not going to ask us about your friends, relatives, or family members. He's going to ask you, why did you turn out the way that you turned out? You have to answer for no other person. You do have to answer for yourself. Why did you turn out the way you turned out? The man or woman in the mirror, that's what God is going to question. Um, I want to leave you with two examples. One is an individual. The other is a group of people, how they use their abilities differently. Yes, very differently. Um, this story is in 2 Kings 20 and verse 1. And in those days it was Hezekiah sickened to death, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Imagine being told that. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I walk before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have not done that which is good, have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Continuing on. And it came to pass afterward, Isaiah was gone up into the middle of the court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen your tears, behold, I will heal thee on the third day. You shall go up into the house of the Lord. And I will add unto you your days 15 years, and I will deliver thee in this city out of the land of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. What's interesting about this story, God added 15 years to his life. And what's interesting in, I don't have a scripture reference, but in Chronicles, it says, But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. God gave him extra 15 years. We're talking about the ability God gives to a man and how they use those abilities. Hezekiah didn't use his ability, those 15 years, and he didn't use those abilities good because the latter end was worse than if, you know, it had been better off if God had not given him 15 years. There are some people you cannot help, even if you heal them and add 15 years to their life. Keep that in mind. The second little story I want to look at is the town of Nineveh. You know the story. For their wickedness has come up before me. How, are they, how is the town of Nineveh using their ability when God sent Jonah? Not very well. They were exceedingly wicked. You know the story. Forty days in Nineveh shall fall. Jonah went to the town. 
this is the result. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast after Nineveh, after Jonah said 40 days and Nineveh shall fall. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came into the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he laid his robe from, his, from him and covered him with sackcloth and set in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and nobles saying, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flocks taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can For who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he said he would do unto them and did it not. Once corrected, how did they use their ability? They used it to serve God to repent of their sins. What makes the difference? What makes the difference? For a man to look at himself and say, I'm going to use my abilities to stubbornly serve myself and rebel against God, or for a man to say, I'm going to use my abilities to repent and turn back to God. And you think about it, what makes the difference? You know, and I'm not saying, our abilities are not less or greater than the other. I mean, I can stubbornly continue down that direction where I refuse to repent, or I, my, I can take my abilities and I can serve and repent of my sins. Either, you know, that choice is mine. It really is. The conclusion I want to come to is this. Uh, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end be of them that obey not the gospel? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? You know, that, that's a troubling verse. If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? All men are created equal. Not all men use their gifts and talents equally. Overcoming sin. Let's talk about you and me. Overcoming sin. You have a set of abilities that God has given you when it comes to overcoming sin. When it comes to serving God, whatever your service may be, you have a set of abilities God has given you. When it comes to your work, your job, you have a set of abilities God has given you. When it comes to success, you got a set of, of abilities, God. When it comes to trials you face in life, we have a set of abilities that God has given us. Something else. God has given you potentials that still may be unknown to you. P potentials and abilities. Notice Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, there are things that you have that you probably haven't even thought about. Potentials, abilities. According to the power that works in us. Yeah. There's potentials that you have that you probably haven't even touched on yet. At least not yet. One more verse here. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses in both Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You know that word, power, one of the definitions of that word is abilities. 
You know, you ever thought about that? I never made that connection that the word meant that. Abilities. You know, we, we wring our hands. Where's the power that God can, can, where's the power of the Holy Spirit? And I think what we're missing is that power is there if you identify your abilities. That's, that's what it's going to work through, your abilities. It's there. We keep looking in all the wrong places. <laughs> you know, like I said, looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for power in all the wrong places. Well, you want to look at your abilities. You look at, look at your abilities. Here's what I want to leave you with. Don't ever forget this. Our greatest failures are the results of not using our abilities. Our greatest successes are when we utilize all of our abilities. Think about America, what, what has made America great. I'll tell you what's made it great. It is that a people, this nation, utilize their abilities. And that's what has made this nation great. They took their ability and, they, and they, they said, what can I do with my abilities? And you think of all that we have as a nation. I think we're losing it. I think we're getting to a point with the new socialism where those abilities are no longer going to be looked at. And everybody just wants something for nothing, you know. But just keep that in mind. Our greatest failures are the results of not using our abilities. Our greatest successes are when we use all of our abilities.